0: You're listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your co-hosts, Andrew Forbes, Peter Baracchini, and Alex Hopson. Hello everybody and welcome back to Sticks in the Six podcast episode 113 brought to you by the fine folks at the NDL House in Toronto. And Var- or Variety Sports Network, happy to be here again live for you guys tonight post-game after, you know, a rough loss, a rough loss, mm-hmm. Peter. But um, as you can see, it's just Peter and I again. Alex is still enjoying those slopes out in BC, and uh, we get to enjoy the pictures that he sends us anyway. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, lots to talk about Tarasenko trade. Chikrin talk is is really heating up now uh obviously the maple leafs in a a really important stretch here as well but before we get to all of that peter how you doing this week buddy
1: yeah i kind of i mean not that i don't i mean i absolutely love doing these shows but i would love to take a good vacation either slopes maybe not cold right now but maybe just a warm getaway because i i I could really do for some r&r right now but i'm doing good you know um obviously as you know you, you you know my musical takes and everything like that and this is a big week in terms of like you know that i've been huge on and i've loved ever if since you go, if you're going down
0: the if you're going down the lincoln park road here i i'm a huge fan of it
1: i sure am going down the lincoln park it. road the 20th of rele- the 20th anniversary release of meteora that is by far one of my favorite albums and one of those unreleased tracks or some of those unreleased tracks being put out for all of us to hear right now it's bittersweet emotional considering the passing of chester bennington <laughs> And man, like loss has been on repeat nonstop for me. And like like I like the first time I heard it, I had to hold back the tears because man, just an influential person with his lyrics and his and his voice and the emotion that he carried was just huge. But yeah, you, you, you uh, I, I always like to give my musical takes every now and then. That's my one right now because hey, it's Lincoln Park, one of the best bands that I have ever listened to and one of the best albums, probably a top ten for me right there. But that's it for me. Love, loving some new music, especially from them. How are you doing, man?
0: Man, it's been a week of mediocrity here in the Forbes, uh, Forbes house medicine and mediocrity. Um, <laughs> as you can probably hear with my voice, I'm going to try and make it through this episode, but uh, I went down hard first full week back at work after Pat leave, and um, man, like the whole house got, got uh. sick. Oakley had a fever for, for five days, six days. Uh, my wife probably actually withheld, uh, withheld the, the sickness, the best, um, Harlow Harlow's, uh, Harlow's having a rough time. And, and man, uh, as I mentioned in her pre-show here before we got going, uh, I've been taking melatonin just to get to sleep. And last night was kind of a, yeah. a shit show for me. I took, uh, <laughs> decided to go the Tylenol nighttime route. Didn't work. Went down, had some night quilt, didn't work and threw in the melatonin at 4am woke up in a, in a beautiful haze. So oh, man. Um, it's been, it's been a hell of a week, but uh, you know, always happy to get on here with you and talk some hockey yeah. and, and get back to the grassroots of what kind of got us going two and a half years ago. And exactly. uh, I want to mention off the top of the show, a uh, great episode last week with Patrick Den- Dennis Jr. So if you missed that, definitely check it out. We were talking about the marketing and the marketability of the NHL and it's players. Uh, he had some great insight into that as well. Uh, obviously, uh, with the uh, not with the hype podcast and, and uh, you know, all the stuff that they talk about, pop culture, all that kind of stuff as well. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's great to great to have him on. Um, one of our top 10 episodes all time in terms of downloads. So shout out to Patrick for, yes. for coming on it and doing that with us. Obviously, no guests this week. Uh, we're, we're just going to talk trade talk. Uh, Leafs, are they getting in there with the chicken talk? Um, but before we jump into leaf talk, we do have to talk the Terrasenko trade and Peter, this was a big one. New York Rangers making a splash. They were, they were, you know, one of the, one of the teams that, you know, we were thinking that maybe Patrick Kane might be going to, uh, what are your thoughts on Tarasenko going to the New York Rangers? Uh,
1: it shows that the Rangers mean business. I mean, when you land one of the biggest names out there and his name has been on the market for some time, it was just a matter of when, because even when he was talking uh, at the all-star game, it didn't seem like there was getting any traction between him and the blues. And it kind of seemed like a trade was going to happen before the deadline. Lo and behold, it happened right after the all-star break. So um, obviously a big win for the Rangers, because you got like an elite level top six sniper on your side, possibly on the top line. And, I I just don't know where St. Louis was going with this return. I really don't. Um, I mean, big win, for, like I said, big win for the Rangers, but when you reacquire a fourth liner that you traded for um, Pavel Bucinevic previously, you get that same fourth liner back, and you get a C-tier level prospect for the kind of production that Vladimir Tarasenko is capable of doing. I mean, aside from the first round pick and the fourth round pick, I mean, obviously, and they even got on uh, Nico Nikola as well, but like for both players to just the most important pieces to be those draft picks, it does seem kind of underwhelming for me. It, it, it didn't seem like something that could move the needle, not necessarily towards a rebuild but to bring in some like quality pieces that could try and help out right now and try and jumpstart the ship again because it just didn't seem quite right
0: yeah now we all know like uh you know tarasenko was you know he's been wanting out of st louis for some time Mm -hmm. and he he requested a trade a few years back and then you know the ship seemed to right itself and and and, you know he, he got back in the lineup and was playing well and st louis was playing well and and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, to go after a guy who's essentially a rental right now hasn't signed a hasn't signed an extension with New mm-hmm. York, and to give up what you gave up. Um, to me, I don't I don't see, you know, maybe, maybe what they're what they're thinking in the in the conditional first rounder. Um, obviously, protected as well but Mm -hmm. at the same time they did get mikola which might be the the kind of incentive piece to to make this deal for rental like tarasenko not saying that he won't re-sign with the rangers that could still happen obviously um but in saying that you get if you're st louis you get a conditional first round pick in a draft that you know we've discussed how how deep this draft Mm -hmm. could be um and then a fourth round pick next year i mean obviously conditional as well but Sammy Blay returns to a place where he's already comfortable. You get Hunter Skinner, who's who's a you know a decent defensive prospect. Um, for me, I think the biggest thing is, I just the, the Blues the Blues aren't near the bottom of the league in terms of like they're going to be in it for Bedard. And mm-hmm. to me, this is like a, this is like we're throwing in the towel kind of move. O'Reilly's gone for the season. Tarasenko, you know, see you later. You still have pieces in Cairo and uh, you know Robbie Thomas and you know that could still make this a relatively interesting year um, with 30 games left in in the regular season. So I you know I I don't and we'll get to Columbus in a second here obviously with our Leaf talk as they're you know favorites right now in the, in the 2023 draft, but. If you're the if you're the St. Louis Blues at the moment, you're not in a position to to kind of say, "Hey, we're we're throwing in the towel. We're going for Bedard." Mm-hmm. So to me, that the move just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I guess the first rounder is is you know something worth looking at, considering that Tarasenko likely walks at the end of this year, anyways, as a free agent. So maybe that's what you're looking at. But I don't know. I think it's a great mm-hmm. move for the for the Rangers for the short term. Um, you know, you get a you get a solid right winger. Uh, gives you a little bit extra for that playoff push you know tarasenko may be familiar with panarin and and shisterkin and you get kind of that that uh that camaraderie in the in the room as well so that Mm -hmm. might help them um and they did it earlier than the deadline which also gives them that little bit of time to build that chemistry that we talk about at the deadline you know going out and make that big move that maybe stirs up the room a little too much so I don't know. I don't know. Obviously, we'll look back on this trade and, and kind of be able to tell you a little bit more about it. But definitely a big blockbuster mm-hmm. heading into the deadline, and and you have to wonder if this is the first piece to fall in in what could be maybe one of the bigger deadlines in in recent memory.
1: Yeah, and like you said, I think the first rounders are going to be key because they are already in a top ten spot right now, given where they are in the standings. But that conditional first, they're getting according to the cap friendly the pick is let me try okay here we go let's do that take again now that i actually found it the conditions for the pick are the 2023 first round pick will be the later of the new york 2023 first round and dallas 2023 first rounders so depending on who has the later pick that's the pick that's going over to st louis so i mean regardless
0: it's a first round pick though
1: right like in a very deep draft so whether it's the obviously based on standings right now with uh, looking at cat friendly, it's either the 26 or 28th pick right now, no matter what, you're still going to get a top six talent if you're looking for a forward in that range, no matter what. So I think those are going to be key building blocks going forward.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, speaking of prospects, I want to, I, I, it's not on our board of what we're going to talk about this episode, but I want to get your take on Zachary LaRue. Um mm. Suspended indefinitely uh for spearing a sixteen year old fan during a QMJHL game. Um you know, this guy's had trouble in the past. Is this is this a an issue that's gonna follow him around or I mean we saw how much it affected kind of like his draft stock a little bit. Um this, you know, he's got obviously got a temper, he's got he's got a lack of impulse control. Um like what the hell happened here?
1: Yeah, and I I wrote his draft profile, too. Like, he has that offensive ability and ability to get under your skin, but he crosses and walks that edge a lot, and that is huge. Um, Obviously, you know, we've seen what – like, he's been suspended many times before for, like, on-ice incidents, Mm -hmm. and obviously he needs to tone that down. He needs to keep everything under control. But now when you go out and attack a fan like that and you spear them – I, I, that's that to me is absolutely disgusting. It's despicable. It crosses the line. And given how he's like, uh, part of the Panthers organization, I would, if I'm you know, the GM, management, scouts, whatever, I would like to have a sit down with him and, like, listen, you pull another, you pull any more stunts like this again, it's over. Because, like, obviously. again like it's i don't know what he was thinking in doing that i really don't and it it didn't even seem like the i the fan was instigating him or whatever based on the clip but at the same time it's just like what are you doing they need to have like they need to literally tell him get this under control or this is going to be the end because we're not going to tolerate any kind of stuff like that especially at the next level
0: yeah i mean it's it's crazy to think because like you know, it's one thing we saw, you know, 30, 40 years ago in the NHL, you know, even 50 years ago, we're talking like 60s, 70s, where like, oh yeah, you know, you had Mike Milbury go in the, in the stands <laughs> and, and beat a fan with his shoe. Um, And back then, like, you looked at it as like, man, what the hell are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. the wires crossed, we get it, but like, what the hell are you doing? And that was instigated, right? Like, Ty Domi in the box in Philly. Like, that's, I think back yeah. to these moments, and like, there was instigation there. Um man, you're a kid trying to make the show here. And you've already had kind of a a foggy past in terms of like your overall discipline. Yeah. Yeah. So to come out and and spear a 16 year old kid in the stands, like, I mean, like he, he better have fucking known this kid and he he better have done something to Zachary LaRue to, to have this happen because otherwise there's there's absolutely no reason for you to come out and say hey yeah the wires crossed mm-hmm. and I speared a 16 year old kid while I was you know leaving the ice there's there's no accountability there and that's the yeah. problem there's no accountability so for me like I don't even have that conversation if I'm the Panthers at this point I'm like this kid needs to figure it out on his own and if if yeah. maybe maybe he needs to go into like you know um going to a program and, and and figure out his shit before he he has an opportunity to make the AHL let alone the NHL mm-hmm. like this kid has zero discipline um and it's it's it takes me back to like there's it's going to take that one little split second where he's like has like a perejogin moment you remember Perajogan in the AHL where he turned around on oh, yeah. his stick smoked mm-hmm. guy in the side of the head that's the that's the kind of stuff that we're going to see from this kid if he doesn't get it under control like the, and from- the
1: smallest thing will just set him off at this point <laughs>
0: Yeah, like I mean, what goes through your head when you're exiting the ice surface to spear somebody? Mm-hmm. It just to me, it does. It makes zero sense. So, um, I mean, you know, if you're listening right now and you you haven't seen Need the clip, check it out. Zachary Larue, um, QMJHL, spear to spear to fan. It's just like, yeah, it's it's it's. I I just I don't, I don't even have words yeah. for it because it's so stupid. Like, if you have an opportunity here to be an NHL player. And you're gonna you're gonna shit all over your own opportunity mm-hmm. because you have to spear a fan. It's just you know, fans have been heckling for hundreds of years.
1: If you can't take like, the heckling, then
0: how are you gonna make it? Yeah. how are you gonna make it? Um. Anyways,
1: and it's interesting that you brought it up because if the fan did do something to warrant that, then okay, whatever. But still, you cross a line no matter what. But at the but same been, time, it does it like looking at the video, and I've seen the video. It didn't quite seem like anything happened and i'm trying to figure out yeah kind of a little bit blurry but i'm trying to pinpoint what actually happened to warrant that and it's just so like you said it's just i'm, I'm so dumbfounded by it
0: yeah it's just it, my biggest thing is like now with social media and the video coming out and everything like that like if there was something that had happened that led that kind of like prefaced yeah. what happened it would be out already. Like there'd be a conversation Mm -hmm. about it. And right now there's not not seeing it. Yeah.
1: um,
0: Yeah. And, and and with this guy's history, like, I mean, it kind of speaks for for itself as well. Um, We're going to jump into Toronto talk here. And before we get to the Leafs, the Maple Leafs will be hosting the 2024 NHL all-star game next year. Um, Some big news, obviously out of our all-star weekend. We haven't met since the all-star game um and there was a there was a tweet that came out from uh former uh former host i guess you can say on on hockey night in canada andy patrillo and like not to throw her under the bus or anything like that like i i have a lot of respect for what andy does but at the same time her tweet basically said like oh now that toronto is getting the uh getting the all star game it shows just how important it is to the host city and and that it does matter and, you know, we sat here with Alex two weeks ago and criticized, crucified the NHL All-Star game. Uh, you and I sat here last week and talked about how shitty the NHL All-Star um, skills competition was. And here's my thing. And, and, and this is kind of in response to that tweet because I'm not changing my outlook on how much the All-Star game lacks importance in the overall spectrum of the NHL. Um is it important absolutely not the when you name the players at the end of the season to the NHL first all-star that's that's got more importance to it than the actual game mm-hmm. than than the actual skills competition it's become a show and we've talked about this on the last two episodes here um is it important to the host city absolutely you're hosting an event where you've got some of the top players from the NHL coming to the, your city doesn't even matter if you play a fucking game at the end of the day, those guys are going out, having a few drinks, going to the bars. You're going to have people see these players around the city, see their faces and get to interact with some of the best players in the game that maybe they only see once or twice because Gary Bettman has the best schedule in all of, you know, the four major sports. Nathan McKinnon coming to Toronto more than just the two time or more than just the one time every season to have him there at the NHL All-Star game. Yeah, 100%, that's important. Things like that are important. To have those players, you know, culminate in the city is important. But to sit there and say that this is going to be, you know, it's a great event. Everybody in Toronto is excited for it now because it's coming to Toronto. No, you're absolutely wrong. You're 100% wrong about that. I'm not excited for the NHL All-Star Game coming to Toronto. I'm excited to see the superstars come to Toronto and culminate. They could go out and have a beer for all I care. And I'd be excited for that part of it because now you've got the biggest names in all of hockey at, I mean, aside from the fact that we still have this stupid fan vote, I mean, who knows maybe fucking, you know, Shane Wright will be at the all-star game next year with one goal and five assists for the Seattle Kraken. who the fuck knows. But my point being, to say that it's important because the all-star games in Toronto, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't know if you have any insight on that as well.
1: Um, I was going to go back to 2016 when the Toronto Raptors hosted the NBA all-star game. That was at the pinnacle of when basketball was at the height Mm -hmm. in Canada and everything was starting to come full circle with the Toronto Raptors being in a competitive spot, um, winning games, being in the playoffs and being in the hunt for a championship was it just for show or everyone just jumping on the bandwagon because the all-star game was in Toronto? No. I mean, for the longest time, we've been craving winning a winning team in Toronto. And we had that with the Toronto Raptors. They, that season alone, they finished 56 and 26. That's absolutely impressive. And the fact that they had that all-star game during the season where they were at the pinnacle, Shows that it gets everybody on board and it gets everybody excited, and it shows that everyone is going to be buzzing. They're going to be rooting for the home team no matter what. Same thing's going to happen with Toronto. The Maple Leafs are, despite playoff success, they are going to be a, an elite level team again next year. They're going to be one of the tops, and you're going to have a bunch of all stars. You're going to have if they do an all star game. Be vote fucking
0: or William Nylander. Be I'm in the telling
1: game. you right now, if William Nylander is not there, I am going to lose it because, man, he should have been there this season. He should have been – honestly, I think he should have replaced Austin Matthews. Mm. Nothing against Alexander Barkov, but it should it should have been William Nylander. He, he is having an all-star game or all-star-like season. And hopefully next year with the, with the game happening in Toronto, you will see Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares – Oh, let's throw in Morgan Riley and Ilya Samson off in there. Let's make it like a full line. Let's throw Timothy Lilligrette and Rasta Sandine. Let's go. I want to see a full Maple Leaf line for the All-Star game or two because it's three on three, never mind five on five. But yeah, no matter what, whether you think it's just – everyone's just going to jump on it because, oh, it's the All-Star game. Nah. It, it, fans resonate with the teams involved. It resonated with the all-star game. It was buzzing. It's going to be the same thing this uh, next year with the Tor- with Toronto hosting the NHL all-star game. It really is.
0: There you go. We got a uh, long-time listener, Josh Brownlee, tuning in on YouTube. Thanks, Josh, for tuning in. Uh, 100% has to be Nylander. Without mm-hmm. a doubt, Josh, it's got to be Nylander. He should have been there this year. This guy's been unstoppable all season long. He's been in the most consistent leaf this year. Uh, He should have been there, but like I said, I, I I mean, personally, I don't think whether he went or not mattered. It's the all-star game and the NHL's all- star game is the biggest fucking joke in all of sports. So, yeah. Um, with And that the said, clip said
1: we saw of him working out so that he wasn't taking a day off. So
0: no, absolutely. absolutely. He's trying to make his brother better as well. Uh, saw him <laughs> on the ice as well. but uh, before we jump over to our actual leaf talk, quick word from our lovely sponsors over at the IndianaL House. Hockey is back, and with it, so are the Maple Leafs. Getting ready for a night out of, or watching the game at home with the gang, what better way to do it than with a nice cold one from the folks at Indy Ale House in Toronto. With two locations in the city, at Italy, Toronto, at Bay and Bloor, the Bureau Tech location, they have two big screens, amazing authentic Italian food, and loads of beer. Also at OG Brew Pub in the junction at Kiel and Dundas, with 120 seats, famous bar food, and 12 taps. Indie Ale House is an award-winning brewery featuring their flagship Instigator IPA and dozens of rotating monthly special release beers, perfect for takeout, dine-in, or bottle shop online orders when planning for game night. You can find the wonderful Instigator IPA that I'm holding here while I sip on my green tea, and Marco Polo Pilsner at Finer LCBOs across the province as well. Hashtag Live Indie is the motto. Adventurous, fun-focused beers with a selection for everyone. From a healthy dose of in-your-face hoppy beers for the beer geeks to mainstream pilsners and easy drinking options, Indie Ale House is the go-to for game day. Visit www.indiealehouse.com to place your order today. And uh, yeah, as always, uh, we're gonna jump over to some Maple Leaf talk because that's why you guys are here. Um, before we get to that, again, here Josh tuning in from the uh, from our YouTube channel. He asks, "Who is the number one trade pick you guys are looking for the Leafs to get, and why?" So, Peter, you got an answer for Josh here?
1: Ooh, do I go the complicated route or the simple route of what I think? Complicated. They're
0: do? We love complicated here.
1: Well, let's go, Jacob Chickren. Where uh, I mean, I mean, ideally. I mean, Duba said that he doesn't want to trade all of his top assets, first round picks, top prospects for rental players. Um, unless he does do that for Timo Meyer because on the 32 podcast, Elliot Freeman did say that there's a the possibility that they could go all in for Meyer, get a top six forward, see how everything plays out and then make a decision on him in the offseason. And if it doesn't work out, you can still flip him for what you get. So you'll still come out even, Steven, Whether you give up a top prospect at first, you can still get the same return if Meyer still excels and he needs to sign elsewhere. So obviously, it would be nice to get Timo Meyer. I think I think they could t- tonight or this game against the second uh, game against the Columbus Blue Jackets showed that you know they could use some more depth scoring because you know there were chances where. Like, you know, you see Alexander Kerfoot, like, fanning on an opportunity to try and tie the game in tight on the net, and it just didn't quite work out. You need something – you need someone more substantial than Alexander Kerfoot in your top six. There's no doubt about that. Um, but then again, you know, do you go that route, or do you go with someone – if you do pay that price, do you go with term, like Chikrin? So, um I, I, I think – more realistically, I think they go for depth. I think they go for depth, middle six forward and uh, a player like Vladislav Gavrikov. Maybe you go after Ivan Barbashev. Um, those are appear more realistic. But then again, if you need to go all in, then you go by her So to
0: answer your question, and I'm glad you brought up Chikrin because we are going to get into that in just a moment here as well. Um, I, I do think it's more going to be a depth a depth deadline for, for the Leafs. Uh, you heard him talk about, you know, obviously he doesn't want to give up Nye's in first in and fir, his first, rather, um, unless it's for, you know, a, a good deal where it's almost like I can't say no. Um, that said, we've talked about how deep this draft is, and even if the Maple Leafs have somewhere in the 20 to 32 range, um, you're going to get a solid player in the first round of this draft, and we haven't had a first-round pick um, in, what, a couple years now.
1: Since Rody and um, yeah. So,
0: I I do, I do think it would be great to get Chickren. I did tweet out, you know, from from the podcast Twitter that Chickren's the piece that's going to fall that allows the Leafs to get Meyer. Uh, more kind of just trolling a little bit, just because I know I know fans just want that big name, and oh, I yeah. get it, I get it. You'd love to get Timo Meyer for sure. That said, I don't think you know long term it works out cap wise. Um, especially if you want to keep that core forward t- together, Nylander's up for contract after next year. Uh, Matthews is up for contract after next year. And regardless of what you know, the folks in Arizona think, I do think Matthews comes back. And you, you know, you're going to have to pay him. And a- at this point, you want to pay. You want to pay your your players that you've drafted and you've you've had within the organization for for a number of years, and guys that have rewarded you for drafting like Austin Matthews and his two Rocket Richards. Um, and William Nylander, and you've you've stuck with with Nylander for for you know as long as you have. Why why wouldn't you want to try and get him back, especially with the play that you've seen from him over the last couple of years? So with that said, I don't think Chikrin is the option here. I'm looking at a Jake McCabe. I, I really think McCabe is 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 an option. I I think the asking price is a little high, and I think we're gonna see that come down a little bit. That mm-hmm. said, they're in a position right now where they can ask for that. Because Jake McCabe, you know, is under contract. Um, you can, you can, if even if he gives you solid play, um, you know, within the, like a top four type of defenseman over the next two and a half years, you know, he's a guy that is worth his four million dollar contract. On top of that, if you're looking for, you know, a team like, uh, you know, maybe you're looking for Chicago to eat eat half his contract and you get him for two million. If he can play in your three, four and and you get him for two million dollars, that's that's something you have to consider. Um that said, I'm not sold that the Leafs need somebody on the back end. Um, I'm not entirely happy with the way the 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 defense has played since Morgan Riley has returned. That said, again, I'm not I'm not completely sold. I think your hole right now is that left wing spot on the second line. And I know Barbashev is a name that continues to come up um he's a name that uh you know he's a feisty type of player i remember interviewing him back at uh, his his draft combine in mississauga and uh you know i i talked to him about the whole russian factor and coming over and all that and this guy was very outspoken spoke his mind really down to earth type of guy uh salted the earth type of person and i think he fit in well um I think he'd fill it fit in well with the Leafs. And, and that's a, that's a, a name that I wouldn't mind seeing come to Toronto as well. Um, and maybe that's the piece that they look at, but, um, yeah, I just Jacob Tricker right now. doesn't make sense for the Leafs. Um, just in terms of cap and in terms of like what you'd have to give up for him. And, you know, I, I just don't see it happening. Um, you're not going to bump Morgan Riley out of the number one spot for Jacob Chikrin. If anything, you're going to do it from organize like organizationally. And that would be a guy like Timothy Lilgren who's come up and deserved every opportunity he's got. So um, that said, as you know, we mentioned, and as you can see on our ticker below, Jacob Chikrin was held out tonight from the coyotes lineup for, and this might be the first time I've ever seen them actually quote this trade related reasons. <laughs> So
1: at least they are being honest,
0: at least they're being honest. I I, I, (laughs) I couldn't help myself after though. And I, I tweeted out that, you know, wouldn't it be funny if like no trade actually went through and he, after the deadline, he's still a coyote and he was held out of the lineup for trade related reasons. What a, what a, what a shitty shadow that would cast over over the organization that already plays at ASU
1: i i have to give like i'm giving a shout out to mike stevens because when though with that whole entire tweet of Chicker came out he's just like islanders we signed this dude to a contract extension and if you want to know any details you can eat shit coyotes we're scratching our only star player because we're going to trade him here's his social insurance number yeah, i mean they, yeah. they gave out so much detail in that and they're being honest about that and then you look at the whole lou horvat thing and it's just like well wait
0: what so, like, I, I don't know. I, I laughed pretty hard at that. That was kind of funny for that. So, we got to talk about Chikrin, though, because, mm-hmm. you know, obviously there is speculation around the Leafs. Now, it is coming out that the Maple Leafs and the Oilers are out of the running for Jacob Chikrin. Um, You know, take that for what you will. You never know what could happen. We can always get blindsided by something. But word is Toronto is likely out of the running for Jacob Chikrin. Um, that said, like, obviously, how the lineup. Chances are there could be a move within the coming days. Where do you think this kid lands? Well, see, this is the th- this is the thing, and I tweeted this out
1: because initially before, like there was, I, I screen capped the the, the the tweets. Um, Daniel Nuja Bowman said, it doesn't sound like Chickren is going to the Oilers or the Kings. Then, like literally hours later, Frank Saravali said that the Kings might be in on it. And then uh, again per mike stevens from the hockey news lease up their interest in chikorin over the course of this past week per source they're one of the teams in active pursuit then we hear jeff merrick say lease are out of the running so we're hearing multiple sources and multiple and everybody's saying that this team is out of it but then this team is in it so i don't i i honestly don't know because we don't know what's happening at this point I guess, like you said, the only way we're going to find is if the trade actually happens. I just pray to God it's not the boss of ruins. And everybody is saying that right now. But my thing is, if they are trading for checkering, you could rest assured that Fabian Lysel is going to be a part of that deal. Because they don't have another blue chip or like top prospect in their system that can be moved as a result for that. You have good depth pieces that you could add in, but you're not moving... You're not like moving other names and keeping Lozell. That's not going to happen. Will that actually happen? Because they got some good young forward prospect depth coming up. I don't know, but then again, who knows what can happen? I I I I just want a team that's not the Boston Bruins.
0: There, how about that? Can I say that? Yeah. I, I, okay. There we go. Uh, I don't. And and we we spoke about this a couple weeks ago. I don't think. I don't think. The Bruins have what it takes to get Chickrin. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you mentioned their prospect pool not great. Yeah. Um, you don't. But then again,
1: anything can happen. But then again, sure. if the Maple Leafs want Chickrin, you're you are definitely giving up Matthew Knights. Nice. You are giving up that person this year and possibly next year. You are giving up a good roster player and or another prospect. So and again, they have up, the pieces. Gotta give
0: up cap space to get him in there. Unless Matt Murray goes on LTIR.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But, I mean, um, quick comment here from uh, from Tim Barron, who's tuning in as well. Um, he says he goes to the Kings. Hey, Tim, you know what? If he goes to the Kings, I'm happy because he stays in the West. Mm-hmm. We don't see him. We see him maybe twice a year. I'm okay with that. Yeah, uh, and then once his contract's up, he can come sign in Toronto like uh, like everyone wants him <laughs> to. Um,
1: and but- the Kings do make sense too. Again, like there was report that the Kings are out, but then the Kings are in, and you look at their prospect depth. I mean, why wouldn't they be a suitor for them? I mean, you know, uh, Brand Clark. You know, they still got Helga Grants, They got Jordan Spence. They got you know Samuel Hellenius, Francesco Pinelli, Alex Turcotte. They have names to part with to be competitive right now with the, with their current roster and the way that it's shaped up. So again, it, again, one source said another one, sor- one source said one thing, the other said the other. And it, it's just like, what, what's going on? It, everybody's got a poker face on right now. And I just want to see who will kind of like blink or try and say, Hey, it's us. We're the winner kind of thing.
0: It's why nobody's going after Jake McCabe right now. Cause they don't want the, uh, the mm-hmm. Chicago GM to come out and basically play all his cards and tell everybody who's, who's going after him. So yeah, uh, we saw that last year with the Leafs, obviously in the Marc-Andre Fleury <laughs> discussion, but uh, Tim also agrees and, and says that, uh, you know, why, me- why would Boston mess with their, their chemistry? I couldn't agree with him more. That's
1: true. Um, they're talking you know, for a reason.
0: They're top team right now. Um, obviously, like we, we all, we've all discussed, they don't have the future past this year right now they're sticking with their core. And I think that's important. They need to run with what they have and, and, you know, you know, run it back one more time and hopefully, you know, Bergeron and, and Marshawn and, and, uh, Craig G can bring them some luck in the, in the playoffs and let mm-hmm. them run with what they have. I mean, their depth mm-hmm. right now with, with Taylor Hall and everybody, like they've got the depth that that that's, there's no question there. Um, it's, it's whether they can maintain, you know, the heated run that they've been on, uh, through the playoffs as well, uh, over the last number of seasons. So that's a, that's a big question mark. Um, you know, obviously they're, they're running away with the regular season, but, uh, it'll, it's, you know, it's a different, a different game when we get to the playoffs. And we all know that as Leaf fans, cause we never get, we never get past that first round. So
1: it's never easy.
0: It's never easy. And it's, uh, f- apparently for the Leafs, it's never easy in the regular season, either when we play teams that we should be beating, um, Let's get into the back-to-back, the home and home with uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets over the last two nights. Obviously, we're doing a po- post-game show right now. Um, take one last night with Ilya Samsonov taking the three-nothing shutout win. Uh, you know, Joseph Wall comes in tonight. Uh, played fairly well. Uh, didn't get tested too much early on, uh, and then the team just kind of let him down in front. Uh, you know, obviously. Couldn't clear the pucks. Uh, I know in the first goal they had multiple opportunities to, to clear the pucks. Couldn't get it done, and uh, the Leafs lose four three in regulation to a team that is the forefront of the Connor Bedard race right now. Uh, your thoughts on their play over the last couple of games, Peter?
1: I I really don't understand how you can have that dominating effort like you did on Friday night, where you shut them out, dominate them possession wise, and just play like you were supposed to against a bottom a bottom seated team. You know that that was a textbook sixty minute game, yeah, Columbus had their moments, but Toronto bounced back and still managed to play well. I don't understand like how you can have that good of a first period and just absolutely lose it because it is absolutely embarrassing. It really is. you know, it, it was embarrassing when they lost to Arizona when they lost to Montreal. It's embarrassing when they lose to the Blue Jackets right now. These are important points that you should be taking advantage of right now. And yeah, you expect every blips every now and then. You expect teams to put their best foot forward. And let's face it, the Blue Jackets did. They came out flying in that second period and created havoc for the Maple Leafs. But a lot of the the goals against were self-inflicted. Once again, and it has been for sometimes since the beginning of the season. And... If they needed, they really need to clean up their play with the puck and their clearing attempts because it's just absolutely god awful at this point. It really is. And I'm looking at like a difference from the heat maps and like, you know, game flow charts on natural stat trick. Toronto was literally the better team last night. And then you go to this game right now where Toronto absolutely dominated the first period. And then you see that goal that Columbus scored. That's when things started to take a, downward turn for the worse and toronto dominated the middle of the area columbus took advantage of that with four goals in the slot in the slot, like the high danger zone area that to me is terrible it's bad and i like i'm even going to quote um apparently uh post game according to mark masters uh Engball was benched for the rest of the second period after the second goal after the boom jenner goal and it's just, uh, this is what Keith said, it's just habit slipping. It's not just Pierre, it's the whole line. They got to be competitive. They got to be great defensively. They got to be physical, and when all that slips, that's not acceptable, and we talked about how Engvall needs to utilize the size more because he seems like he just lets up more in dealing with one-on-one pressure than William Nylander at this point, point. and Engvall is 6'4", like 200 pounds plus. You expect more out of him from that, and then you hear comments of uh, Keith you know, saying that Michael Bunting is crossing the line. He's got to stay within that line. You know, these are, like, instances that just created a microcosm and just, like, a m- multiple of errors just piled up for the Maple Leafs. And, again, like, Justin Hall, he tried to corral the puck and get control of it. Puck goes through his skates, and then it goes uh, past him for the empty net goal. He lets Ken Johnson walk in um for the high stick whatever it is it whether it's a good goal or bad goal i'm not even going to touch that it's because of the fact that he just let him walk in like he shows no fight in front of the net and then and this is the problem with hall yeah he's had good games lately and even as uh before and after the injuries but when he has plays like that that's when you start to get concerns over his play that say hey These are simple mistakes and errors that you are causing too, but obviously it was a whole team effort that they lost with the clearing attempts and everything. But when you're a defender, you should be looking around who's around you. Hall wasn't even doing that. Johnson just walks in and just gets the game-winning goal. Absolutely unacceptable. Just that second period and even that game-winning goal I, mean, I really don't know what else to say. It, it was just an absolutely disgraceful effort after they had a really dominant first period, which looked like they were about to, you know, go back to back for a two and and0 to start the stretch against bottom feeder teams. But now they're one and one.
0: So what I'm going to say is, you gave up 40 shots to a team that never should have got 40 shots against you.
1: That too. If yeah. If you want
0: to be a play, if you want to be a playoff team, and and like, let's face it, we're taking on Tampa Bay in the first round. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think there's a, I don't think there's anyone sitting here questioning that. Um, but if you want to go up against a team like Tampa Bay in the first round and, and you're giving up 40 shots to the Columbus blue jackets, you know, something's wrong. You're not, you're not, you're not doing your job that the, mm-hmm. you're, you're having missed assignments. Um, you're hanging an AHL goalie and this is no disrespect to wall. He made 36 saves on 40 shots. Um, Still had a 900 save percentage. Yeah, beating this kid out to dry. After team didn't help him out at all. Uh, exactly. And and Marner came out after last night's game and said, you know, you know, we didn't try and force anything. We didn't try and you know play out of position to get to create offense. Well, you did exactly the opposite tonight, and and you tried to create too much offense. You left up open holes and missed assignments you couldn't clear the puck out of your own zone and it created opportunities for a columbus blue jackets team that's sitting at the bottom of the nhl right now with 36 points 36 points in 53 games minus 69 goal differential like this this team is is
1: too talented to have these kind of results
0: absolutely and you're you're as close as you can be to to getting to getting Connor Bedard in, in Columbus and, and the, you come out and you're beating the Maple Leafs who, who should be finding a way to get more consistency in their play so they can make it past the first round for the first time in 14 years. Like I I, I don't understand this. And we talk about this. You can hear it in my voice. I'm getting tired of, of having the same discussion over and over again. It is a broken record. This is a team that plays down to their opposition. It's It's simple. I mean, There's no excuse here. Matthews has been out of the lineup for, for what, five games now. Mm -hmm. There's no excuse. You can't, you can't sit on this. We're missing our top star. Um, You have, you have capable players in your lineup. Morgan Riley is not your number one. He's not your number one. And you have to find a way to just swallow the pride here and say, you know what? Yeah, we signed him for seven more years. He's gonna slowly slip down our depth chart. Simple. Guys like Lilligren have played well, deserve to go up in the lineup. Sandine has played well, deserve to get more ice time. Mm-hmm. Mark Giordano, he's gonna be your five-six guy. He's getting older, you know. He doesn't have the same edge that he had. Um, you know, he's he's a little bit slower of foot, but he's still he's still productive. Mm-hmm. Justin Hall, like this is this is the only reason. Police need to go and make a move for defenseman at the deadline, and I know I said earlier in the show they don't especially need especially right hand side. Find a piece that's going to get you Justin Hall out of your lineup. No disrespect for Justin Hall. I don't think his career is going to go any further in Toronto.
1: No, or anywhere else for that matter.
0: He needs to start over, and mm-hmm. and, and, and it's it's simple. Like it's 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 no disrespect to him, but he was put in. I wrote a piece about this. He's given the Jake Gardner treatment in Toronto, put into a position where he's expected to play in a number two or three role, and he's not a number two or three guy. He's a four five maybe. So he should be playing against opposition lines that are are up to up to snuff in 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 a five six or a four five, not not a not a two three. You put him against them, the more difficult opposition. He's not going to get the job done. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. And I saw, I saw it tonight. Um, there was a play where he was, you know, uh, at the offensive blue line, and could have easily got it in deep, and instead flicked it like a little, little wrist flick from the blue yeah. line, and it barely got back into the offensive zone. Those are the plays. They're they're so small, but they come back to bite you in the ass. And it's done that multiple times. Exactly, and those are the plays you can't have in the playoffs. We all re- we all remember the Travis Dermott giveaway. Tried to tried to spin a ram out his own blue line, lost the puck giveaway. We God all remember those plays. One hundred percent. That's you know those are the ones you remember, and those are the ones you swallow back and say, "Well, fuck, we're not any closer to getting past the first round because you know we still we still make those plays. You got to stop making those plays, and the mm-hmm. way, best way to do it is to get those guys out of the lineup." Fuck, yeah. put Jordy Ben in for all I care. Yeah. Right? Like you know he's your sixth guy. Put him in. Play him at six. Has that muzzin type of you know, grinder mentality. Knows that he's not an offensive guy. He's gonna play back. For what reason? It's it's been so, so clear that this year our blue line is not gonna be your offensive juggernaut blue line. Never would. We don't have we don't have to kill McCarr. We don't have Eric the Carlson. Fox. We don't have the Eric Carlson. We could in a trade. I mean, like, shout out Dubas if you want to go like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, so at what point do you say, Hey, Justin Hall, you know, play back, quit pinching. It's not working mm-hmm. out. Right. But I think he's I think he's one of those Sheldon Keefe guys, like Pierre Hangball. He's one of those Sheldon Keefe guys. And again, no disrespect to Keith because he's gotten the job done as a coach. Yeah. And with that, like, we're going to jump to another Josh Brownlee uh, question here because this guy's all over our YouTube right now, and he's throwing us question after question here. Do you think if the Leafs don't make it past the first round, Keith's job will be on the line? Um, I'll take this one. I don't – I think I think there's going to be multiple jobs on the line. Obviously, Dubas will not be back. Um, you know, he might not even be back if they make it past. They could win the Stanley Cup, and Kyle Dubas might decide not to be back. Um, that's, you know – in his hands at the end of the day um Sheldon Keefe I he I think he would be gone I I really do and I don't think it's a testament to what he's done here in Toronto um I think it's it's the easiest change to make is to get rid of your coach and keep your superstars Mm -hmm. and you know at the end of the day it's not going to be Keefe's fault if they don't make it past the first round uh unless he plays Pierre Engvall for 22 minutes a game so I mean unless we see that like I I you know I don't know. What are your thoughts, Peter?
1: Or if he puts Alexander Kerfoot out in the dying situation to try and tie the game, because that hasn't worked out many times before. Um, yeah, I, I, I honestly, th- the easy answer would be Dubas because he doesn't have a contract and they could just let him walk. But if we're looking for like you know the change of scenery kind of thing, a fresh voice, then yeah, it's definitely going to be Keith because, like, like you said. No, like this even happened in Edmonton when it wasn't even like, you know, Dave Tippett or like uh, Tom McClellan's fault with everything going on. And it was all the general manager and the coach got the ax as a result of the general manager's moves. But Dubas has at least made some moves to try and tinker with this lineup. But then again, are you going to rely on Pierre Engvall in a key situation? Are you going to rely on Justin Hall in a key situation? This also comes back to Dubas to try and fix that because, if you watch the game tonight, chances are, if Engvall had to get benched, there's one of your top nine forwards gone? Justin Hall making key mistakes at key at key moments or bad moments, that's going to impact you, especially like you said in a in a playoff situation. So I do think that the easy answer would be Keith because if Dubas, if they get if they're out, Dubas doesn't have a contract anyways. So it, it, in terms of firing, it probably would be Keith.
0: Well, and if you bring in a new GM, they like bringing in their guy, and Keith's not going to be his guy. So exactly, or her guy, or her mm-hmm. guy. Um, So I mean, yeah. I, to answer your question, Josh, yeah, I think Sheldon Keith's gone if they don't make it past the first round. Now let's hope that's not the case because I don't want to be talking. Because I love
1: Sheldon Keith, I think he's a great. I, I guy. love Sheldon
0: Keith as well, yeah. and I don't want to, I don't want to sit there, you know, in at the end of the season, and all of a sudden after the first round, we're talking about the rest of the playoffs. I want to talk about the Leafs. Into the second round, I want to talk about the Leafs into the third round. So, you know, stop making those goddamn mistakes and let's get let's get yeah. this all figured out so we can talk some more Leaf hockey as we get deeper into the playoffs. Um, on on that note, uh, you know, we need to see what we saw last night from the Maple Leafs. Um, we need to see that mentality where you're not trying to push the play, trying to force the offense because you do have stars that can get the job done when the opportunities present themselves. So your, th- your thoughts, Peter, on whether the consistency is something that we're going to see in these last 30-so games, or are we going to see the same Maple Leafs rewind, recycle, reuse, the same storylines heading into the first round? Like, What are your thoughts here?
1: It's not so much the consistency against, you know, competitive teams, because let's face it, the Maple Leafs play their best when they're playing against competitive teams. Boston, New York, uh, despite some hiccups here and there, they have played relatively well against them, Tampa Bay even. It's those bottom-seeded teams or teams that are like, you know, 20 and below that give them the toughest outs, and that should not be the case. And I'm, I know we're probably going to get into this, but I'm going to combine this with this section right here because you have, you know, two games against Chicago, I believe one against Ottawa and one against Montreal. This is this is an important stretch right now because Tampa Bay is only two points behind the Maple Leafs, and that could be a difference maker because home ice advantage. You have got to at least, you need to go 4-0 during this stretch to create that separation because these next four games are crucial these are, Ottawa's 24th, Montreal's 27th, and Chicago is 31st, one point above the Columbus Blue Jackets. If you don't have a winning record by the end of next week, I would be concerned because how can you call yourself a playoff team? And even, even games earlier this year with, with Montreal, Arizona, um, Ottawa as well. How can you call yourself a competitive team when you have these poor outings consistently against bad teams? You can't do that. You can't play down to your opponent every single time. You got to have that mentality night in, night out. I don't know. I don't know why they couldn't have that me- that same mentality for a full 60 minutes last night than they did tonight. Because if it, if it was if last night's win was affecting them, they would have had a poor start. That was further from the case because they came out guns a blazing and dominated play at the beginning of the game. Where that went again, self-inflicted wounds. They gotta, main, like you said, maintain that consistency. But I think they got to maintain that consistency against win in, in winnable games and winnable situations. That's the biggest
0: thing. Yeah, I mean, we were all talking about how this is the perf- perfect chance to have Matthews out of the lineup because look at the schedule. They're playing Chicago, they're playing Columbus. Mm-hmm. We need to get some wins. Look down at the ticker for a second, there, Peter. Maple Leafs since Matthews' injury are two, three, and zero. They are below five hundred without Matthews against these teams. I mean, granted, they did play Boston as well since Matthews went down with his injury. Not ideal, mm-hmm. not ideal. Um, and like you said, we got Chicago coming up. Should be a win. Uh, you know, if you're watching the game right now, they're playing. They're playing Winnipeg pretty tight as well. So Chicago is a team that. You know, the Leafs could potentially lose to. Um, Can be a thorn in team
1: size. I will say that.
0: No, absolutely. And remember, they do have, they still have Taves. They still have Kane. They still have Seth Jones. They still have guys. And you have a guy like Peter Morazek that's going to be like, hey, I want to show the Leafs what, you know, what they kind of passed on. You yeah. know, I had a shit year. Um, it's, these are the teams that the Leafs need to win against. These are the teams that the Leafs need to build more. Uh, credibility when it comes to who they can beat and who they can play against and who they can, you know, you're at the bottom of the league, no problem. This is an easy win for us. If you want to be that top tier team, you have to win those games. And right now, the Leafs are not a top tier team in my mind when it comes to being able to to close the door on these, mm-hmm. these teams, right? Like those are the ones that are going to set you apart. Those are the ones that the Tampa Bays and the Bostons and, you know, how last year's Florida Panthers would come out and beat even if the Panthers went down 3-0 in the first period, they found a way to come back. I think they had like 30 comeback wins last year. Yeah, which is ridiculous. That's Those are the those are the ones you want to win. And if you're the Leafs, you need to find a way to get it done. You need to find the gaps in your lineup. You need to find where you're overplaying. You need to find the, the miscues that you're having in the defensive zone. You can't give up 40 shots to a Chicago Blackhawks team. You can't give up 40 shots to a Columbus Blue Jackets team. There's absolutely no excuse are those teams hungry 100 it's not to discredit those teams but you want to be a top tier team you want to every year when they get knocked out in the first round we talk about how the leafs uh or we hear the matthews and the marners and all them saying yeah this is a lesson learned we're going to come back hungrier next year we're going to come back hungrier next year every year we're sitting there at the, at the end of the season having the same conversation and it's Playing down to to the shittier teams, it's not getting the job done when you can get the job done. They could have beat Montreal in the playoffs. They could have beat Tampa Bay last year in the playoffs. They had opportunities. I I, I just I don't I don't know what else can be said that you know is going to set this team apart when it comes to playing those weaker teams in the NHL.
1: Yeah, I, I, I just want to add one more comment, too. Uh, obviously, it talked about Ma- Mark Masters and Keith's comments on Engel being benched. But you want to you you want a glimpse at how pissed Sheldon Keith is. This is uh, what he said uh, as well on the second period. Just got outworked, outplayed. Mark, uh, how do you explain that? I can't. You guys talk to the players. I'm sure you ask them the same questions. I can't do the work for them games like that are on the players when you are supposed to go into a game where you need to or not necessarily pad your stats but get those like dominating wins that is on you the losses to arizona on the team uh, against that overtime that game against the san jose sharks on the team everything falls back to the team Keith can instill it in them or any head coach can instill them all they want. It's up to them to put the effort forward. And again, that effort was gone for 20 minutes and they lost that game in 20 minutes.
0: Yeah. It actually ties in great with uh, our next comment from Tim Barron. Watching on our Facebook channel. Thank you, Tim. Uh, I think they are missing that grit leadership, like maybe a cane or maybe that, or maybe that, or somebody that will call out their teammates that are making those lackluster mistakes. And a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Um, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Like we talked to, it was, I think the first year of the podcast, when they got, you know, Thornton and whoever else, and, Spets and we were talking about, Oh, look at all the leadership in this room. And, mm-hmm. and it was kind of like more of like a, it was kind of like a retirement resort a little bit where like, it was more of a fun room rather than a, you know, we need to get the job done for these guys, and I think we're still seeing—we're not seeing that as much anymore. The fun, kind of whatever—it's—it's mm-hmm. it's still lighthearted at some in some senses, but at the same time, like you're not—you're not getting the guys who are speaking out, and and we don't—we're not in the room, so we don't understand—we don't know what's being said or what yeah. you know who might be speaking out. Tavares does come across as more of a quiet, you know, soft-spoken captain in the media. That's that's just the way he comes across. I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's like We've that. Seen it room. for years. We've seen it for years. Um, the Leafs need somebody who's going to be you know at the forefront. Jake Muzzin was getting there for me. Jake Muzzin was the guy who you almost need him. Out. him in the room. He would call him out. He'd say, yeah, you know what? Tonight we played like shit. We played like shit. We need to get this done. We didn't do it. And that's the type of mentality. I, I 100% agree with what Tim is saying. I think I think they're lacking that little bit of leadership. Um, he is gonna follow follow it up and say so. Blow it up, trade and get Chickren. Give up Nyes, Give up Willie. Give up Kerfoot. Get somebody like Kane too. I'm not sure you want to blow it up yet.
1: No, um, no. I, let's, I not, let's not jump the gun a bit.
0: I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, like, I, I do think to get a guy like Chickren would be huge. Again, I don't think Chickren's a guy that's been you know, very outspoken in his career aside from saying like, I want out of Arizona, but who the fuck isn't saying they want out of Arizona. Um, so that, that all things considered, like I, for me, I I still don't give up Willie. I, I depends on the price that you're going to have to pay for him. That's going to be the the make or break for me. If you've seen what Matthew Niza has done um, in, in the NCAA this year, like this mm-hmm. guy's an absolute, like, truck like he's just an yeah. absolute truck running over defenders um getting in front of the net putting the puck in the net i think to me nice is incredibly underrated as a prospect um you know a lot of a lot of people out there saying that are outside of the toronto market are saying you know Matthew is yeah production just above production.
1: a point per game
0: he's above a point per game ncaa um you know and on top mm-hmm. of that like Yeah. We're going to pump his tires a little bit. He's, he's a Toronto prospect. Why wouldn't we pump his tires? Um, But that said, I think, you know, you got to give this kid an option or Mm -hmm. an opportunity as well, unless it's a a can't pass up on this deal type of trade. And if, if it is for chicken, I think you do absolutely consider trading Matthew nice hundred percent. Like there's no question. Uh, And yeah, like Kerfoot could walk. No problem. Like there's, there's 3 million off the books.
1: You could easily replace a foot.
0: I'd have no problem with that.
1: And to Tim's point as well, he just also said, you never see anyone on the bench getting mad. Fair enough. You don't see that often, but there have been points last year and this season as well where you do get that sense where maybe players aren't happy with the way things are unfolding. I mean – I I guess it was the game against Chicago when I I think it was Austin Matthews yelling at Justin Hall for like poor plays and giveaways. And you could see him being livid on the bench. I think this year you hear uh, or you saw like Justin Hall make a play and Mitch Marner throws his hands up like they're showing that they care and they need to like, you know, get mad because let's face it, it's not that they hate the player. They just showing tough love. They need to show that, hey, we got to be on point with everything. So you did get to see like points of that. But you don't necessarily need to see them like you know Jacob Truebell, like you know, you know like smacking the glass after a fight kind of thing, trying to turn things around. But then again, that kind of worked for the Rangers, so maybe you do need that little that little kick, that extra push from somebody to say, "Hey, let's get our act together."
0: No, I'll I'll give him this. Matthews has probably shown the most emotion over the last couple of seasons on the bench. Um, There is a lack of personality when it comes to in-game play mm-hmm. i mean these guys may be the best dressed team in the league um <clears throat> so away from the the, the rink 100 yeah like there's personality i think they need more personality within the game and i agree with that i i think you need to see a guy like you need to see the jacob truba come out and, and you know slam the door shut he's pissed off he's yeah. he made a bad play or, or somebody within the game made a bad play you don't need to see the jt Miller's smacking their sticks on the net and calling out his team pub- public oh yeah no, like those things That's don't need to happen um um yeah i just I, I i don't know and uh sorry tim is asking who who was it that grabbed the ipad from the teammate and threw oh. it <sighs> i don't remember i'm sorry Tim i really don't i want to say it was on philly i want to say it was on philly and i might have been it might have actually been tortorella
1: or it probably would be
0: something like that and, but I, I think he said, like, we don't, like, because he came out after the game and he said, we don't need these these things on the bench or what have you. Oh, um, wait.
1: I think it, maybe it was. I think it was Chris Kreider. There's a video that says Chris Kreider takes i takes and destroys iPad.
0: There you go. Tim's on it. Tim, you're coming there on you the go. show, There buddy. you go, Tim. There you go, Tim. You're coming on the show. He's on one. Um, I mean, so there you go. There's Chris Kreider. I mean, that's a guy that could have easily been the captain over Jacob Truba. Um You know, he's – Again, personality. I think that's the biggest thing is you want to see more personality from these guys. And 100%, I I couldn't agree with you more. More personality, uh, more frustration, but reeled in a little bit. Like, Mm -hmm. you can have that frustration and you can reel it in and and not be like a dickhead like JT Miller. You could be, you know, somebody like like Kreider saying, you know... Keep it within bounds. You don't need the iPad to look at your miscues. You can... If you know the game, if you can process the game, this goes back to Martin St. Louis when he took over Montreal and he said, you know, I don't want to, like, just create plays. I want my players to play the game the way they know how to play the game. Yeah, Create opportunities the way they know how to create opportunities. You've got creative players. You have a Matthews. You have a Marner. You have guys like that. There's no reason why they can't, you know, play the game they've played for years. I mean, we've seen Marner in – London the way he, that he ran that line with Dvorak and to Chuck. Mm-hmm. that those are the things you want to see and you can have that personality without you know without being an asshole on the bench essentially Um, but yeah with that last kind of note here before we get close this out the schedule for the Leafs over the next little bit is going to be incredibly important obviously we talked about Matthews being out of the lineup you want a winning record without him because it just goes to show you that you can get it done even without your number one guy that said at home against the Blackhawks on Wednesday at home against the lowly Canadians on Saturday um, in Chicago on Sunday. And then on the following Tuesday in Buffalo for a game before they hit minute or before they play Minnesota and Seattle. So two tougher teams. Is this the most important four game stretch for the Maple Leafs right now? Said it before and I'll say it again. Yeah. Simple as that.
1: I mean, not, not only that, you have gaps in between now and Chicago. You have gaps between Chicago and Montreal to fine-tune, practice, and iron out every single detail. You gotta be I, I, I there's no such thing as a perfect game,
0: but the Maple Leafs need to be perfect
1: every single time right now, especially against the the competition that
0: they're facing. I think for me right now, if you if you play the game you played against Columbus last night, yeah. you're gonna be just fine.
1: Um you had that 20 minute it, effort like tonight. Yeah,
0: it was story. almost perfect. It was almost perfect. Mm-hmm. Um the biggest thing is going to be you're running with Samsonov right now. Yeah. He's gonna be your guy. Um and you gotta you, you gotta find a way to 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 support him and and get the job done because as we mentioned in the preseason in on our show, this this could be the year that you know, maybe Matt Murray takes a back seat and and Samsonov's your starter by the end of the season. Uh, I, I believe all three of us said it. Um, and, I think I may so,
1: still lean towards Murray, but I was I, I, I didn't discredit that. But yeah, we were all on the same page.
0: So, I mean, in, in 26 games this year, 18-6-2 with a 232 nine seventeen, um, 3 shutouts. The numbers are speaking for themselves for a 25-year-old mm-hmm. goaltender who is betting on himself. And... I think they need to find a way to support this guy. Get the job done like they did against Columbus. You don't have to go out and win every single game. I think these next four, you should be winning all four. Yeah. If to. you go, if you go against Minnesota, you know, in the, in the fifth game, and you lose it three-two, three, you know, four-two, fine by me. I gross understand game. that. Against it's a good team. A it's a good team. Seattle again, another great team this year those those games you can be a little bit more understanding with how it goes um but I you know I just I I need to see something from these guys I need to see a good stretch of games here over the next four um and uh if not I think you know there's a bigger conversation to have and and again Tim Tim's spot on yeah. like post- <laughs> If they go 2-2, and they need to make some noise at the trade deadline. I couldn't agree with you more, Tim. I think regardless, they have to make some noise at the trade deadline. Even if they win these next four and lose one of the next two following that and go 5-1 and in the next six games, they need to find a way to fill in that left-wing spot on the second line. Cal Yarncroke did it for a little bit, but he's not the guy. Um, You need to find that depth uh, going into the playoffs and, and make sure that you've got the chemistry built up. Uh, when playoff time comes because we've mentioned it once on this show. We've mentioned it a hundred times on this podcast. Playoffs are a different beast and the Leafs mm-hmm. need to find a way to get it done. And you can't go to seven games again. You have to get it done in five or six. Yeah. No questions asked. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else you wanted to kind of throw out there before we get going here, Peter?
1: Uh no, I, I, this was a really great post game chat. I it's been a while since we had one, but uh, this was perfect timing considering what the trade deadline news, the Leafs having a poor outing considering the good one. I thought, yeah, nothing else on my
0: end. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's always nice getting on after a game because you know it's not outdated. We get you mm-hmm. know we get the the real Leafers, the real hockey fans on to to kind of join in, in the conversation, which is always fun, um, and. As always, we'll be back again next week with Alex in the house. Um, tell us about his BC trip and his – his. Uh, <laughs> I think he's just a big party. Big party out in BC on the, on the oh, slopes. Yeah. So I'm sure we'll hear, hear about that next week. Um, with that, guys, check out Variety Sports Network, uh, the new network that we are part of and uh, very happy to be a part of. Check out Indie House when you're in Toronto. Order them online. Great beer. Wonderful beer, and that's coming from a beer snob. Otherwise, check us out on Twitter as always. Uh, you can find Alex at A Hops and Media. You can follow Peter at P Barrachini, or you can follow myself at Andrew G Forbes. As always, you can also follow the show on Twitter at Sticks in the Six Pod. That's S C I X I N T H E, six I X P O D. Make sure you check out our socials Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Hit the subscribe on YouTube. We are continuing to do these live shows and hopefully we got some big things coming this year um as we continue to progress with this show as well until next time episode 114 of the podcast we'll see you next week